Today I've got my brother Tom with me. He has come from Toronto to visit. I hope he doesn't stay too long. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm just joking, of course. Um, Did I tell you I was going to stay for a year? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move you outside then. Um, next to the dog. <laughs> next to the dog. Um, you, aside from your uh, uh, you know, lecturing activities, you are a marketing consultant for Lenovo. Correct. Now, what exactly is Lenovo again? Well, Lenovo is a company that started many moons ago in Beijing, China. And uh, they were called, I think, Legion um, or Legend Computers. And then they added Novo to it as new because now they're new. They bought IBM's uh, computer division, microcomputer division, the PCs and laptops and so on, and soon-to-be servers. Now, let me just stop you there. Yep. I mean, that's quite an interesting Example of how the world has become multinational, multipolar, you know, the global community. I mean, who would have thought 25 years ago that IBM and that their personal computer division would be bought out by a Chinese company? A, because he wouldn't have thought that IBM would, would, would want to sell to a Chinese company, and B, for a Chinese company. 25, 30 years ago, we thought of Mao's China. For them to be in a consumer product and for them to have a company that is sufficiently strong in a consumer product that they would want to take on an American manufacturer of consumer products. And actually, I gather, I read somewhere that the president of Lenovo is, is now lives in the States because he, wanted, he wants to better understand American culture or something like that. Well, maybe you know more than I do in that area, but I, I certainly am not familiar whether he's doing that. What is interesting is uh, well, one of the subjects I do teach at college is uh, global economy. And it's interesting to note here that um, IBM made no bones about the fact that uh, they, they, they were losing money with their uh, PC division. And so they were looking for a buyer. And um, here at Lenovo, uh, in, in deep in, in the heart of China says, okay, how do we get, how do we go global with this? Well, let's buy it and let's move ourselves into the uh, world stage of, of computers mm -hmm. and become one of the top tier computer manufacturers. And they bought everything, all the whole lock, stock and barrel. So now they are doing the manufacturing. So now you will see Lenovo's name on what used to be IBM's products before. Okay, now we are used to the idea that, that computers are manufactured in China. Yeah, we are used to the idea that there are even uh, technical, uh, you know, research laboratories in China. Yep. Uh, whether on software or hardware type issues, so that not only are they a manufacturing center, we can see them eventually becoming a source of technology. Uh, there are many Chinese, uh, you know, computer technicians working in the United States in the Silicon Valley, as there are people from India and from Israel and Hungary and and I don't know where else, Romania, Russia. But now we actually see Lenovo getting into the sort of what is a very culturally, you know, uh, uh, what would you say, culture-heavy area, which is in distribution, which is, is all of this kind of stuff. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting development. What is very interesting is that uh, people won't, don't realize that uh, part of the emerging nations although they haven't got fully uh, democratic or slowly drifting into the capitalistic system. So it's interesting when I teach that I read that although Chinese may uh, run around in Levi jeans and, and have McDonald's, they're not fully democratized. Right. Okay. Now, you know, it's interesting. We'll wander around a lot of subjects yeah. here. 
It's very interesting. I uh, was at a dinner the other night, and this is a friend of mine who is from India originally. It was his 81st birthday. Hmm. And so were the number of people there, including a fellow from Iran, who is married to a Chinese lady. Okay, so it's a fairly international collection there. It happens right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A fairly international collection of people. And he said, uh, you know, uh, Turkey is a tremendous Muslim country because it's the only Muslim country where people have, you know, genuine sort of social cultural freedom. You, can, you know, one lady might wear the hijab and the next girl is wandering around in a miniskirt and they can do what they want there, which is great. And the Turks... You know, they just, they, they don't fool around. You look how they crack down on the Kurds. That's what I like. You know, I like that. That's the kind of government I want. So, you know, we talk about exporting our democracy. Uh, I listen to Russian radio now that I'm learning Russian, and they kind of like the heavy-handed approach. They like the muscled approach. It's not obvious that a majority of countries... In fact, Putin criticized the U.S. Congress for, uh, how many, you know, not being able to make up their mind... In other words, for not simply executing the, what the government, what the president wanted, that they actually, that there was a vote and it actually voted against the, the rescue measures. In, in Russia, they get to talk in their Duma, maybe, but they don't get to disagree. You know? <laughs> There's one opinion, it's mine. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, but a lot of people like that. That's the point. You know? so, so the Chinese, I mean, I know the Chinese uh, and, and even a lot of people in Russia, they get very upset at all this criticism, uh, where West, the West is saying, well, we live, our society is organized this way, and yours isn't, so therefore yours is bad. And, uh, and many of them may, in fact, recognize that there are things in their own society that they would like to improve, but they don't particularly like outsiders telling them that they should improve or change. And uh, what, they don't, what many people don't like is uh, the certain amount of dominance that, for example, the United States has had over a glo- the global uh, village for uh, many years. And uh, now that a lot of emerging nations are uh, improving their economy and their lot, they can uh, sort of switch over their economies. They tend to go to the middle of the road, and it's what we call a mixed economy and uh, although they don't take all the western ideas including capitalism they certainly enjoy the uh, benefits of capitalism even though they keep their culture and they keep their uh, their form of government so it's a sort of a mixed uh, bag of uh, culture economy and legal systems mm-hmm. that are is taking place in the world today well absolutely and and that's why i thought this whole issue with with uh, you know a chinese company Buying Lenovo was so interesting. I mean, the next thing you know, a Chinese company is going to buy McDonald's. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, why not? Hey, listen, they they uh, they're on the hunt right now. Uh, they're uh, I don't know if many people know this, but in Canada, the biggest uh, industry here in Canada is mining, and uh, the uh, the the Beijing folks are coming over here to try and buy uh, metal fabrication mining companies, lumber companies. They're, they're, they've come over here with, uh, with money in their pocket, and they're looking around. Right. So uh, I hope the next language you learn is Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's, uh, there's all this talk about, about... Mind you, there again, English has, become, has been the international language, and, uh, and it's simply because it's spoken in so many more countries. Language of business. The language of business, and it's spoken in a lot of countries, and it sort of has so much momentum behind it as yes. an international language. Chinese is going to struggle a bit because it's it's I'm not aware of many situations where 
you would have conversations between two people, neither of whom are native speakers of Chinese, who would use Chinese as their common language. That's not very common. Whereas it is common for English, for French, for Spanish, for Russian, for Arabic, for, for a number of other Let's languages. Not forget Hindi. Hindi's and in Hindi. there. Yeah. No, but I'm talking about as a language that is used by people who are not native speakers of that Correct. language. And the, the most spoken second language is English. Then comes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, French, and then comes Spanish. Right. And Mandarin is still spoken by the most number of people in the world. Yeah, as, as a, a total, primary. As a primary, as a yes. total number of speakers. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, part of the whole motivation behind Link is, is the idea that this, the sort of dominance of English... I mean, it's pointless to be against something that's, that's there. But part of our belief is that if you make it easier for people to learn other languages, obviously a person who learns three or four languages has the benefit of having learned those languages. And uh, so if you can speak Spanish and Chinese or Hindi or whatever, it just makes, I think it makes your life more, more, more rewarding in some ways. Well, uh, let's take my example of being fully French bilingual and selling in all across Canada. A lot of American companies approach me simply because I have the technical background as an engineer and because I was fully bilingual. That helps. So guess what? If you're going to go into another country or if you're going to do business with other cultures and other countries and, uh, where other languages are spoken, it is to your advantage to be able to speak those languages. You are a typical example of that going yep. into several countries. But, you know, and it's fun. It's kind of fun. You know, we talked about, we started out talking about Lenovo and uh, increasing globalization. Uh, we mentioned McDonald's, which is, rep to some people, it's kind of a red flag. It's sort of American culture being forced at Typical people, American, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so then people get, when they get angry at the Americans, they get angry at McDonald's. <sighs> McDonald's is just a hamburger shop. I mean, they had lots of them. When we were growing up, yep. there were lots of individual hamburger greasy spoons on every street corner and they somehow McDonald's came along and, and and came up with a marketing scheme that that made that a world empire but yeah if they have McDonald's in the the forbidden city in Beijing I think a lot of people think that's not very appropriate um sort of uh, people in their native countries may not think it's appropriate but uh it's amazing how uh if you don't go in there and that's how the multinationals uh, look at it if you don't go in there, somebody else will. So they, uh, they, Sony. It doesn't have to be American, right? They, no, they no can, I, 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 nothing wrong with Sony and, and products. I'm just saying that you, you take the Forbidden City, you know, or yes. you know, the Louvre in Paris or something. For there that to be a, a place where McDonald's has an outlet, you know, I, I no, I, I don't it, go for that. You know, at the Vatican, will have a Chinese restaurant there. No. No, 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 I don't go for that. Well, I think uh, the, the cultural uh, uh, barriers are still very much alive and well. And typically what I teach the Chinese when I teach them English is keep your uh, Chinese culture, for example, but certainly integrate into the Canadian culture so that you can think and speak English, but keep your Canadian, uh, keep your Chinese culture and uh, that way you don't lose your identity, which is, uh, a, for example, a big factor in French Canada. But you know what? Tom, that's an excellent subject, which we're going to take up in our next podcast, because i got lots to say on that, and I'm sure you do. Beautiful. Anyway, thank you. Thanks. Thank you, and we'll talk again.